0: Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Woe Is Media. You got Alyssa and you got Annabelle here. We're back with some no, no, wow. We're back with some news stories in the big bad world of business and entertainment. Alyssa, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great. I was really expect I thought you were going to uh, do an accent just now. I thought you were gonna be like, we're gonna do some new news. Like, I don't know.
0: Do you want me to do an accent?
1: I mean whatever you want, babe. I'm I here. Try.
0: I mean <laughs> Might be annoying to listen to.
1: No, not at all. I love it. I'm doing very well. Um, I will apologize ahead of time. Um, we'll get into it during the smile file, but I have lost my voice, and it a little painful to talk right now, but I'm fine. Like I'm not raising my voice. like I'm at a good room level. so. But how are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to get into this. I um little disclaimer before I do either of my stories. At the time of this recording, uh, February 24th, there is um, impending doom going on in Europe.
1: Okay, calm down.
0: Well, this is a little scary. I'm personally terrified by it. Um, And I just want to say that we know it's happening and I will probably cover it a little bit more in the next episode. I try to not do a lot of global politics just because they're very complicated. There's a lot of sides. And just because I prefer to cover business anyway, that's just what I know more. Um, But we know it's happening I'm personally scared. We hope for the best. Um, but I just didn't have time to like prepare information on it for today So
1: I'm strangely calm right now.
0: Well, that's good. Well, you're like, covering the rodeo, so yeah, no,
1: our threat level just got lowered to like uh or- orange from red. So like things are going good here, like locally. But, yeah, we're still talking about, like, Ukraine and Russia, obviously, but, like, you know, this is just the first stage, so I feel like more needs to happen before I start freaking out.
0: That's fair, yeah.
1: (laughs) Because I freak out about everything. Mood. Mood.
0: You want to start us off this week?
1: Yes, I do. So, my first story today is called A Stranger End.
0: Stranger End. Yeah. Oh, I know what this is
1: about. Okay. There we go. I was like, wait for it. Uh, uh. So the Duffer brothers have made some big announcements regarding the future of their hit Netflix TV show, Stranger Things. Namely, it is officially coming to an end with season five as Netflix has formally announced it for one last renewal. So a lot of people thought initially when the news came out that this upcoming season that's going to come out, I believe in April or May is the last it is not this season that's coming out soon is season 4 and the next season will be the last and about the i don't want to call it a cancellation because the duffer brothers have said from the beginning of the history of stranger things that this show was not going to go on and on like they planned it out from the beginning and it was going to last maybe five or six seasons so this this is to be expected um i've I'm I don't want to say lifelong fan, but as long as the life of Stranger Things, I've been a fan. And so for the announcement, the Duffer Brothers had this to say quote, seven years ago, we planned out the complete story arc for Stranger Things. At the time, we predicted the story would last four or five seasons. It proved too large to tell in four, but as you'll soon see for yourselves, we are now hurtling towards our finale. Season four will be the penultimate season. Season five will be the last. So season four like I said, has a premiere date. Oh, I should have just looked at my notes. I literally was like, oh, I wonder when it's coming out. (laughs) Um, uh, The show will be released on Netflix in two separate parts, which is also really fun because at first I was worried that it was going to be too big of a span between the release dates, but it's honestly not. Volume one is set to debut May 27th and volume two is landing July 1st.
0: That's interesting they've split it up. Yes. And there's not that long of a wait between the chapters.
1: I know I want to I want to ask them, like, what's the significance of splitting it up and why that long of a time frame? Because, you know, everything, everything in the world like happens for a reason, you know, or at least that's what I believe. But especially in the media world, like planning these like scheduling dates, it's 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 done on purpose. So, um, I wonder
0: if something else is coming out like between then and they're trying to make sure it gets the attention they wanted to
1: have. Could be, could be, because as we've seen with like recent, not just like media, but well, kind of media. Um, once again, I'll get into it later, but the concert I went to this, um, weekend ish, um, bleed over the day that the tickets went live Two other big names also released tickets. so. It was just a mess of conglomeration, like too many people are trying to access Ticketmaster at one time. So I definitely understand if that is the reason, because, you know, you don't want Netflix crashing and people like going on Twitter and bashing them, or you don't, you want to make sure that all the fans that are loyal to the series are getting access to it at the right time.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I'm sorry. I feel like I'm- you the
0: final hour. Say What? You can't crash at the final hour
1: no um they also said quote with nine scripts over 800 pages almost two years of filming thousands of visual effects shot and a runtime nearly twice the length of any previous season stranger things four was the most challenging season yet and but also the most rewarding one everyone involved is incredibly proud of the results and we can't wait to share it with you um the duffer brothers wouldn't confirm any kind of spinoff for the original series of stranger things but they did tease that there are "quote" still more exciting stories to tell within the world of stranger things again new mysteries new adventures new unexpected heroes unquote so how is this making you feel so far Bib?
0: um i mean it's it's sad i will admit so i watched season one and two of stranger things I'm not really sure why I didn't watch 3. I I liked season 2. I just I'm not sure like what was going on in my mind where I just didn't watch 3. I certainly could go back and watch it. Yeah. Get ready for 4 and finish up the show cuz I do think it's very well done. Um I remember being like incredibly like gripped by everything in season 1. Oh yeah. Season 2 like just I don't know. I'm kind of one of those people who hates change. So when you introduce all these new characters even if they you know progress the plot line or like are, are positive influences on the show i'm like ah oh, why did they show up <laughs> like which is not fair i just get used to the same people um so the, like max and all that even though i like her like she's a good character
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and that actress is very talented cdc yes. Sadie Sink, that's right. She was in Taylor Swift's short film also.
1: Okay, Swifty. Yeah, you know
0: what?
1: Has she started doing the Taylertle yet?
0: Me? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I have. Okay, just checking. I, I did it yesterday in two tries. And like, I love, I like Taylor Swift, but I wouldn't consider myself a major fan. So I thought that was a pretty big accomplishment for me. Good like job. Um, but yeah, so... Season four is also going to bring the characters outside the town of Hawkins because up until this point, everything has been in Hawkins, Indiana. So spoiler alert for those of you who haven't seen season three, like Annabelle at the very end of it, um, Joyce decides to move the kids or her children plus 11 to California to get away from it all because they were just like, overwhelmed by everything that was going on. They felt that they couldn't really move on from what was happening. Like no matter, you know, no matter how much happens, there's always going to be certain, you know, memories and certain things tied to Hawkins. So she was like, I just got to start over. Um, once again, spoiler, David Harbour's character Hopper is alive and well, but he has been seen in a few teaser trailers to be working in a labor camp in Russia. Oh god. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain if you haven't seen the series, it, seen the season. Um it's not going to lie, uh when I was watching season 3, I was enjoying it, but I also was like this was kind of convoluted. Like we didn't need to add the Russians into this because That's obviously the 80s, you know, you're in the midst yeah. of the Cold War you've got a lot of people worried about like communist powers taking control in the United States. Totally understand that. But I kind of was like, I, I could have gone without
0: show about kids and you're going to get Russian labor camps involved. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like a supernatural show about kids. Like, why do we need to know about Russia? So, but maybe, maybe Russia's behind everything. Not going to, no, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just speculating wildly here, but that's that. Like I said, when I own a writer's character, Joyce moved her family to California to escape the literal horrors of Hawkins, but new trouble is brewing that see their new paths collide once more. There's already been some teaser trailers out. I'm still trying to figure out what exactly it has to do with uh, the plot, but there's one teaser out right now that is this old decrepit house. Like it's been abandoned for a few years now. And they try to tell the story of what happened to the house, but Honestly, I think I was in public when it dropped and I was trying to listen to it, but I couldn't hear all of it. So, but you can see like the kids and Steve, like walking through the house and being like, "What's oh, and um Nancy, like Nancy and Steve are all there. So I'm excited. I love a good haunted house. Uh, but once again, I'm just worried there's too many things going on at one time.
0: The good news is, is if they've mapped this out for a while, they know what they're doing period Um, hopefully it'll like have a good arc and a good closure and won't be too convoluted but absolutely i think a lot of tv shows especially in that mystery horror kind of realm like do tend to get a little convoluted i haven't watched a ton of them but just thinking back in middle school when i watched pretty little liars oh Oh my gosh gosh. (laughs) that went left right up down sideways backwards like just you had no idea who was alive who is was dead, Who is A.
1: Who I was about dead. to say like, who was the killer half the time?
0: Yeah, you didn't know. And I had read the books, so I was really excited for the series. And when it came out, it diverged from the series. Quite a lot. Yeah, and I was like, what? <laughs> so I couldn't track what was going on in the show versus the books. And mm-hmm. none of the people looked right to me. And yeah. Well,
1: she said, casting, messy. <laughs>
0: I never finished it. I mean, they're all, like, talented actresses. I thought Aria was a good choice with Mm Lucy Hale. And then Hannah Marin's character was what Ashley Benson, I think, is the actress. Correct, yes. Yeah, I thought that was good. But Spencer and Emily did not look how they were supposed to. Yeah. How they were supposed to. I don't know.
1: So who was your favorite liar? Of the four? Yeah.
0: Um... In the books, I kind of identified the most as, like, a Spencer-Emily combo, probably. Why did I know
1: you were going to say that?
0: Yeah, because, like, Emily's, like, sporty, and Spencer is, like, the overachieving type A person, and, like, I'm not necessarily as perfect as, like, either of them, but, you know.
1: You're perfect in my eyes.
0: Oh, thank you, babe. Similar interests, I guess, and like, just being hard on yourself and, like, Spoiler alert, Emily's gay, which is great. They needed that representation in the show. Yes, they did.
1: From a woman of color also. It was very, like, I know you said, like, she didn't look how she was supposed to look, but, like, for Shay Mitchell, who is a woman of color, to represent a a gay woman, I thought that was really cool. On, like, a teen show. Mm
0: -hmm. And Shay Mitchell is, like, a great actress. I don't mean any shade to her. And I will... Of course. Thinking back on it now, I'm pretty sure all of the main characters in the books... We're supposed to be white. So, for TV, they do need representation of different minority groups and stuff like that. So, it probably is for the best that they changed it. I guess I didn't understand that in seventh grade, but. No,
1: that's not your fault. Like, you don't understand the intricacies of the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say I never read the books, but I read about the books on Wikipedia. You know how you do. Or at least I do. Oh, I do that
0: with movies all the
1: time. Okay, cool, cool. Wonderful. Um, so I watched the series. I never finished it. Also, I'm kind of like, maybe I should go back and watch it. Um, but Spencer started out as my favorite liar, but I'll be real, I love Hannah so much.
0: Really?
1: I love Hannah Marin. She's everything to me. All right. She was very she was very near and dear to my heart. Like at first, I was like, oh, she's like the mean samantha character and samantha's fabulous don't get me wrong but like the more you learn about her and the more that she's gone through i was just like oh i i adore her and i love ashley benson too so mm-hmm. but yeah hannah hannah Marin has my heart forever
0: nice okay i like the transition there
1: heck yeah but that's that's pretty much all i had for stranger things um do you have a favorite stranger things character though
0: i we're both big dustin fans
1: we are He's so cute and funny. I, I I would say Dustin. Yeah, I love Gaten Matarazzo. Oh my gosh, I obviously I I love Eleven. I've dressed up as Eleven. I don't know how many times for like Halloween and costume parties. But like Hopper's great, but Hopper has his own issues. You know, I can I can recognize that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, probably like if I had to get down to the nitty gritty of it all, I'd say um, Dustin so that's my first story all
0: right so my first story this is I don't want to say old news because it's like gonna impact us yeah but it was announced a couple weeks ago at this point but it's a cool story so I thought I'd talk
1: about it that's all on me don't blame Annabelle for anything this is all my doing so
0: busy at work and Alyssa's had people in town and concerts to go to so it's been hard to sit down and I'm
1: just so busy
0: so popular
1: (laughs) but it's all over now so we should be good for the upcoming weeks
0: so my story is called merger of the skies Ooh. you know I love a good M&A story so I've got two of them today so this story mm -hmm. Spirit Airlines and Frontier Airlines which are the largest discount carriers for you know Commercial air travel yes. in the U.S. are trying to merge into one mega budget airline. <laughs> it's exciting. It is. So, this is a big merger. The merger would create the fifth largest airline in the world, which doesn't sound that big when you think about it. No, but But the big behemoths, as I learned how to pronounce correctly on this podcast a couple months ago, not behemoths, behemoths. The big behemoths in the airline industry are the big four, which are Delta, United, Southwest, and American Airlines. Melissa, which four is your, your preference?
1: I mean, you already know. I live in Houston, so we're, we're big on Southwest here. You don't have assigned seats. Like, you get a, like, free carry-on, like, but I, I respect the hustle of Delta. Yes. So I'm, a, I'm a Southwest girl.
0: Delta is a hometown thing for me, Um, headquartered here. I have like no issues with Southwest. I don't like American.
1: (laughs) No, yeah, I would agree on that. American kind of has done me dirty in the past, so.
0: Same, yeah. And like in Atlanta, they want you to fly Delta because that's their home base. So if you fly American and you have to go get your bags, you have to go to the basement to get your luggage. (laughs) You have to do that after an interview one time flying really? back from New York. yeah flying back from new york like they had some partnership the interview was with a, a new york bank i'm not gonna mention the name but they had a partnership with american airlines so they're like oh you'll fly american airlines just like pick a time and i'm like mm-hmm. i don't get an airline choice okay whatever <laughs> but i was like running around looking for my luggage and i asked some attendant i was like where is carousel 10 and she's like it's in the basement so I had to schlep down there and get my suitcase and go home after that.
1: Good I got the job,
0: though. I didn't take it. But I of got course.
1: It. Yes, of course she did because she hustles.
0: That's right. I try. <laughs> anyway, so this merger between Spirit and Frontier would create the fifth largest airline in the world to better compete with the big four. Yes, so yes. it seems like it wouldn't be that big of a deal because it's only the fifth biggest and the other four are still larger. Mm. But antitrust regulators could still strike down this deal for antitrust reasons. And we know that the current Justice Department under President Biden has already filed a lawsuit with American Airlines and JetBlue Airways, and they're not merging. They just have a partnership over the northeast region of the country. But the DOJ has sued for this, saying that it reduces competition and drives up prices in that area of the country. So, so yeah, I didn't know that either before doing my research on this story. But there could potentially be some major hurdles to get this deal to go through because, there's a lot of mentality at the DOJ right now and in parts of Congress that bigger is badder. Like big business is not good for consumers. So- I love we'll that movie. Bigger is badder?
1: No, big business.
0: Big business. Okay, sorry. Okay. Just the reference there. <laughs> okay. Um, so currently this is a $2.9 billion deal. Um, but by the time it closes, it'll total 6.6 billion, um, because there will be assumption of net debt and operating lease liabilities. That's accounting stuff. We don't necessarily need to get into that, but 6.6 billion total. Um, it honestly seems kind of small given a lot of the other major we've discussed on the podcast lately, like under 10 billion, especially for airlines, things that are just massive, Yeah, like all everything in an airline, like the capital and the people and the planes, like I don't know, kind of small. But it just goes to show that these are not the biggest players in the industry. It's not the same as if Delta and America, yeah, airlines were merging. So, pending any legal problems, this should close the second half of 2022, and both companies' boards have already approved the deal. Mm. So, in the M and A world, there's kind of two things that tend to happen. There's either one big giant who buys a smaller player in the industry to kind of either expand vertically or horizontally to kind of help game market share or to help them get like input for their final output, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. There's vertical integration and horizontal integration. So this would be horizontal integration because they're you know in the same field. Um, but one company is not that much bigger than the other. So if that's the case, it's called a merger of equals.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. And that's
0: kind of a misleading term because someone is still the buyer and someone is still being sold. I say someone, I mean, companies. We're not yeah, about yeah. Here. Um, But a merger of equals means that they tend to have pretty equal representation on the board. It tends to be pretty fair in terms of like the people that stay versus leave. Certain policies change um other merger equals that may have happened in like recent news for other examples would be the SunTrust BB&T merger ah yes which is the biggest bank merger since 2008 um they were both like regional banks I think they were 15th and 16th on the national list and now they're up to like number six
1: I'm very familiar with that merger
0: I as am I (laughs) (laughs) so yeah um it's a merger of equals and right now it's a Cash and stock deal terms. Um, Frontier is technically the buyer here, and Spirit is technically the one being purchased. Um, okay. so we'll see if Frontier is gonna end up being kind of the head bitch in charge, but
1: oh okay.
0: <laughs> HBIC. Um, so Spirit Airline shareholders will receive $25 and 83 cents per share of Spirit that they own um, okay. in exchange for you know. sold to frontier which is a Mm -hmm. premium of of about 19 percent on the current stock price so pretty good money they're making here spirit will own approximately 48.5 percent of the combined airline and then the rest of it will be owned by uh frontier so that's pretty even it's not exactly 50 50
1: but like uh, it could be a lot worse
0: it could be a lot worse exactly so the, the main reason partially they want to merge is to compete better and they are expected to generate annual savings for consumers of a billion dollars annually. So mm. we'll see if that happens or not. These predictions where they talk about how much money they'll save when they combine, I don't know. Like there, There's definitely like math and logic into it, but it's so hard to tell until things play out. Yeah. You know? And mergers are also incredibly costly to complete. There's like fees and a lot of legal stuff going on and hurdles to jump and it's it's just not it's not for the faint of heart for messy. Sure. Yeah, right. so we will see um how the synergies are once they combine the expected operating synergies are expected about 500 million dollars so that's definitely notable um the board right now for the combined entity will have 12 directors which includes the CEO, seven of whom will be named by Frontier and five for Spirit. So again, not a 50-50 split, but pretty darn close.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Bill Frankie, who is the Frontier chairman, he's going to be the chair of the new combined board. So again, Frontier is kind of the HBIC here a little bit, even though it's technically a merger of equals.
1: His name is Bill Franke.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love that. Yeah. Sorry. I got, I'm I'm very simple. I'm like, wow. Names,
0: white man names. Yeah. (laughs) So this would be the first merger of large US airlines since 2016, which is when Alaska Airlines merged with Virgin America, which Mm -hmm. thought was large, but this is bigger in my opinion. Just given the expertise and the I don't know. I feel like we just make fun of spirit airlines a lot in the media yeah first they if you want a bottle of water that's five bucks does anyone know how to fly a plane our pilot's not you know (laughs) like all just all the memes about it i feel like a little bit more common in culture slightly um so the regulatory things are definitely still gonna be a challenge um but the airlines argue that Frontier is based in Denver and Spirit is based in Miami, right? So it's kind of an East Coast, West Coast thing. And they argue that they don't compete directly anyway because Frontier has a bigger presence on the West Coast and Spirit um, has a bigger presence on the East Coast. So um, if you combine direct competitors, like you're just taking Spirit's customers and Frontier's customers, and then now you're one company and it's still going to be than any of the big four players.
1: Yeah. So
0: and allegedly that it will be better for customers since these are low budget airlines. So hopefully. uh, Ted, who is the spirit CEO, he about the merger, he said the trend is centered around creating an aggressive, low fare competitor that will better serve guests, expand career opportunities for our team members, and create value for holders. We believe we are a perfect fit with Frontier. Our businesses share similar values, including our longstanding commitment to affordable travel. So obviously the CEOs are on board here. We'll see if Ted Christie has kind of a role going forward because they have not announced a new CEO for the combined entity yet. They've also not announced a new name or a new headquarters. So it'll be interesting to see if they pick a neutral site, maybe a little bit more central between the two airline bases. Yeah. Um, or if frontiers like no you're coming to denver sorry <laughs> like,
1: what's a yeah what's a good neutral spot between denver and miami
0: probably like chicago maybe
1: oh that could work why like was High i Central? Have, yeah. I was immediately going to oklahoma
0: <laughs> yeah i mean the middle like literally the middle of the country yeah that would yeah. that would definitely be true but chicago you can serve as the eastern part just as well as the western part i would think
1: besides Plus, it's still no major one hub. Besides, no one wants to go to Oklahoma.
0: Fair, yeah. I was about Topeka, but that's a dumb answer. No shade to Kansas, though. We love Kansas.
1: No shade to Kansas or Oklahoma.
0: Mm-mm. Um, the Frontier CEO, whose name is Barry Biffle. How do you like that name?
1: I like it a lot.
0: Biffle, I know. I think that's kind of cute. Um, he said, our business model is built on low fares, and that simulates traffic we are going to give people even more low fares Uh. by combining. So yeah, um, fast growing discount airlines that focus on this price sensitive customer who's not necessarily interested in like all the bells and whistles of an airline. They just kind of want to get from A to B as quick as they can. Um, And so they've been doing better with the pandemic than kind of the larger carrier competitors because the larger carriers... The people who fly on those there's a lot of business travel and there's a lot of international travel and both of those things have really slowed over the past couple of years because of the pandemic but these two airlines really focus on domestic travel um and it's not necessarily for business because if your company is going to pay for it why would you get 70 dollar flight when you can get a 200 hundred dollar flight with more legroom and a bottle yeah. of water you know
1: yeah yeah
0: just my thoughts so The two airlines have been having talks, quote, in earnest since late last year. Um, In earnest. And the two carriers, they only, so between the two of them, they cover 2,800 routes, like from different cities, and they only overlap about 520 of them. Hmm. So, and that's according to aviation data, consulting firm, Sirium. So it's, there's a lot of arguments to be made here that this merger should happen because it's not a trust problem like it's it's not I don't know we'll we'll see what happens um but in my opinion I think they have very valid arguments for getting this merger to go through and as somebody who's never flown either of them but is open to it I would certainly be happy if they could deliver more cheap low prices so I could go see Alyssa in Houston
1: absolutely
0: do you have any thoughts on this
1: not really. Like on it, like you said, like, I wish I had more to add to it, but like if I flew either of these like frequently, but I don't, I don't fly that much anymore um, because of the pandemic. But even before that, I mostly just fly Delta, mm-hmm. Southwest, every now and then United, but not very often. So I wish it them the best. what's available and where you're going. Yes. I wish them the best in all their endeavors.
0: Yes. We'll keep you updated. Hopefully, okay, so full disclosure, I don't like to talk about my personal work on this podcast, but if it wasn't all from my comment earlier, I work for one of the companies and that major bank merger, and I hope that if this merger of equals from Spirit and Frontier goes through, they get a better name than Truist. That's all I'm going to say.
1: Did I tell you I saw a billboard the other day in Houston for Truist Bank? No. I mean, like, I know that's not, like, impossible, but I was like, that's the first one I had seen, and I was like, oh, how nice.
0: They they really kicked off the marketing. Like, they changed all the signs on branches. Like, my office said the old name for the longest time, and now it says the new name. Yeah. So, I think they're really trying to get after it with the marketing. I see the ads, like, all the time when I'm watching games or whatever, so. Yeah. All right. What you got next?
1: I've got a story, not as great of a title, but it says fan favorite question mark.
0: Okay. I like it.
1: So the, you know, you know, guys, it's award show season. So what's Alyssa going to talk about? The Academy Awards. So (laughs) the Academy um, of, excuse me, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences announced last monday that beginning now through march 3rd audiences can vote on twitter for their favorite movie of 2021 using the hashtag oscars fan favorite hashtag i don't know why i said it at the beginning but or they can cast a ballot on the oscars fan favorite website the winning film of the year will then be announced live during the 2022 oscar ceremony
0: are you all over this already
1: Honestly, like I'm, I'm going to be absolutely real with you when the, um, nominations came out, I was very upset with myself because I haven't seen many of them and I'm going to be working on fixing that until, you know, the awards come out. I think I'd seen one of the best picture nominees. I was very upset with myself. Um, but I'm working on it and I have mixed feelings about this. I don't really, I, I can't explain why. I guess it'll make more sense once I get more into my notes. Um, so select participants are also stand to win a trip to the 95th Oscars in 2023, uh, where they'll potentially present an actual trophy during the broadcast for this thing. But exciting. I, I read this, but I was like, What? So, if you guess right, you're in the in. I like, I'm trying to figure out what their process is. Like, if you guess right, does your name get entered into a raffle or something?
0: Maybe. Or just so, a random drawing of everybody who tweeted.
1: So. Yeah. So, in addition to the fan favorite vote, the Academy is also asking audiences to use Twitter to vote for a hashtag Oscars cheer moment, spotlighting moments that made them, quote, erupt into cheers in the theaters, unquote, while watching. Five winners will be selected from the pool of participants and will win a package, including tickets to a full year of free movies in a theater of their choice, streaming subscriptions, and exclusive items from the Academy Museum shop. So that's pretty cool. Um, Now, this move also this is what I was basing my like hesitancy on this move recalls the Academy's past attempts to pull more general audiences into the telecast with the short-lived proposal to add an outstanding achievement in popular film to its competitive roster this was announced back in 2018 and plans to implement it were postponed until the end of that year and they just kind of never got back to it because the Academy quote needed to further study into such a measure before executing it. And many pundits noted that the Oscars included a fairly minimal number of box office hits among its top nominee categories this year. But as someone who follows this, you know, award show, that's every single year. Sorry about it. Like, Yes, more people have been drawn to the bigger names in the past few years, like, especially like with parasite parasite, like if it had won 10 years ago, I feel like not as many people would have known about it and would have been outraged by its win versus, you know, the wide availability of it and the like social media talking about it. Like, I I just don't know how to explain it because I'm so used to having movies that no one's heard of in the nominations category and i'll i I won't lie i didn't know much about power of the dog until like the nominations came out and i looked more into it and i want to watch it now but it's not a film that otherwise i would have sought out for myself even though i do love a western Mm -hmm. so it's just i realize that a lot of people with their critiques of the academy it comes down to elitism and classism i totally get that i totally understand it so i appreciate that they're trying to do this but i don't know i also feel that it's just kind of like a cash grab kind of thing to get people to watch the ceremony and i don't know if it's going to be enough so um many or sorry uh going off of what i just said the fairly minimal number of box office hits. The Best Picture nominee, Dune, was the category's only nominee to cross the 100 million domestic mark, which fed into its 400 million global haul. And among a host of streaming titles, including um, Don't Look Up, which is on Netflix, I believe, The Power of the Dog, which is also on Netflix, and specialty theatrical titles like Drive My Car, which is a Japanese film. And obviously in the States, it's only going to be released in minimal quantities in larger cities like Los Angeles and New York. So I wouldn't be able to go to my hometown movie theater and be like, hey, can I get a ticket to see Drive My Car? but it did earn 1.2 million domestically here in the United States, which is awesome. Um, Heard nothing but good things about that movie. Also, Licorice Pizza, which Mm -hmm. was a not really, I don't want to say global phenomenon, but everyone kept talking about it because it's got Philip Seymour Hoffman's son starring in the lead role. You've also got, I believe, Alana Haim Mm -hmm. in, in her first, in her theatrical debut. So it was a big deal, but honestly, after the movie came out, I didn't hear much about it in regards to like praise or criticism. I just didn't hear people talking about it. Um, it got right under 14 million domestically. Oh yeah. So
0: about the budgets for these things are these movie studios losing money. Oh, of course Mexican they are. Yeah. Let's see
1: here. I'll look it up for licorice pizza. Um,
0: I've heard positive things about that one. I- the title is just so bizarre to me it's hard to yeah it. i don't know they could have picked a more marketable title but maybe they wanted to
1: be yeah i don't know so licorice pizza's budget do you want to take a guess
0: mm, i can't imagine it was that high i did read about this on wikipedia i don't know i um, had 25 million 40 40 okay
1: do you want to guess the box office
0: didn't you just say fourteen? That was just
1: domestically. Oh,
0: domestically.
1: Twenty. Mm-hmm. Twenty-six point five. Okay. Yeah. So 26. they didn't even break even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good sign. No. But we move. So, I I appreciate the effort. I really do. By the academy, I'm just you know it just feels too little, too late. Um, For those of you who are interested, the 2022 Oscars airs Sunday, March 27th on ABC, as usual. Um, There's a full list of nominees pretty much anywhere on Google. Like all you have to do is type in Oscar nominees and they will show it to you. I didn't want to do just the nominations because I feel like I've been doing that a lot with uh, award shows lately. So that's why I wanted to talk about this. And, you know, once again, play to um, a more general audience instead of like film buffs. So wanted more people to be able to, you know. Yeah.
0: I think this is so my take on this. It's like just a move to seem less elitist and just a little <laughs> bit more inclusive. But I'm kind of with you. This <clears> has <throat> been around for so long. When you think about how long Twitter <laughs> and a thing it's in general, like they could have implemented this potentially years ago and they're doing it in 2022. Yes. I don't know. I understand it's hard to change tradition and there's a lot of like old souls and just people in general who really respect the Academy and how it operates in Hollywood and they're just reluctant to change it. Um, but I mean, I think the numbers of award shows in general for viewing speak for themselves like they're down. You have to if you're going to keep these award shows on the air, then you have to do something to get people more inclined to watch. Yeah. Most people watch the red carpet, but they don't necessarily care about yeah. the actual show.
1: Okay, I have a question for you, Annabelle. What is your favorite movie from 2021?
0: Um, so I honestly, like, didn't see a ton of movies. I'm trying to think about, like, just from the best picture list or in general? No,
1: just in general. Just throw them out there.
0: Um, So it is on the best picture list, but I did really enjoy King Richard because I'm a tennis player. Yes. So that was about... um. Richard Williams, Serena and Venus Williams, his father and how he raised them and all that to be tennis players. I thought that was a good film. And Will Smith was obviously really good in that role. I think he would be my pick for best actor. Yeah. Um, in a leading role. So I think that was probably up there. I'm trying to think of what else I saw. I didn't hmm. really go to this. Th- I did go to the theater to see um, No Time to Die is not my favorite Bond movie. Yeah. Yeah. It was really long, and I thought there were a couple of plot holes, honestly. Mm-hmm. But, it, I mean, I thought um, Daniel Craig did really well with it for his mm-hmm. last Bond film. So that one was notable. And then I did see and really enjoyed um, Raya and the Last Dragon.
1: Oh, great movie.
0: That was, that was a sweet one, yeah, on um, Disney+. I did think it had a lot of similarities to Avatar the Last Airbender, but it's neither here nor there. Yeah. What about you? What are your
1: favorites? I would say I'm with you. I didn't see many movies in uh, 2021, but of the ones I did, I I enjoyed Spencer, although I had to adjust to uh, Kristen Stewart's portrayal of Diana. But overall, like I look back on it and I was like, that was a good movie. French Dispatch from Wes Anderson was very good. Um, there's another one that I'm trying to think of right now, and it's not coming. Oh, In the Heights. I know a lot of people like ragged on it, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, I thought it was perfectly fine. Um, those would probably be my tops of 2021.
0: Did you see Dune?
1: No. I, I haven't.
0: Her, and I feel like I should see it, if no other reason than to support Hannah's favorite actors. But <laughs> I,
1: I no offense to our friend Hannah, but I have no desire whatsoever to see Dune.
0: It's really just more the premise of it. It just looks bleak, doesn't it? Yeah. It cool, is. another space sci-fi post-apocalyptic looking thing
1: I yeah like so been there done that that's my story i'm sticking it to sense. it
0: i like it we'll see what happens i'll watch the academy awards because that's really the only one i actually care about even if i've not seen hardly any of the movies i like the red carpet oh yeah i, I don't know I, I, that one just feels more fun to me than like golden globes or the emmys or anything like that
1: don't nobody care about golden globes anymore
0: Yes, facts they're not even on the tv all right so my second story and the final one we'll cover today not too long and it's a little bit more lighthearted but i think it'll be fun um so it's called bumble becomes a buyer so bumble is now a publicly traded stock it went public last year it's been struggling as a stock But it has, you know, become a pretty big dating app. It's one that both Alyssa and I have used and have met people from. It's something that a lot of people in our generation use and have met people from. Um, So it's a pretty successful dating app, but it wants to get bitter, bigger, excuse me, not bitter. Nobody wants to want to get bitter. (laughs) Um, They made their first ever acquisition and they purchased a French dating app, which is called Fruits Uh with a Z. We have a some fruit, but the croissant. So this happened one year after Bumble's IPO. And as I said, their stock is down pretty significantly since the IPO. So I'm not saying this is just a move to get the stock up, but generally speaking, M&A activity does boost a company's stock price. So hopefully it'll, uh, let's pop that up a little bit. The deal terms were not disclosed to the media. So there's not a ton to talk about in terms of what it would look like. Um, But we'll get into like Fruits a little bit, something I've ever used. I'm not even, I don't think it's available in the States. I'm pretty sure it's just in Europe. Yeah. But getting into it, Fruits was founded in 2017 and it encourages open and honest communication of your dating intentions through the use of four different fruit metaphors. So (laughs) when you sign up for this app, you have to choose a fruit emoji that indicates what you're looking for. It's multiple choice. So you can't be like, I'm a peach because this, this, and this. Like, no, there's set options choice. Okay. The first one is cherry, which means that you were looking for like a long term relationship. You potentially want to find your spouse if you want marriage or just a long term partner on fruit. So, cherry, you want the real deal. Okay. Grape indicates that you want to go on dates. So, maybe you want to find a long term thing, maybe not but you definitely are not just interested in the physical side of dating. You want to actually get to know somebody and have genuine conversations and okay. kind of explore your options. So that's for grapes. Um, if you're watermelon, that means you're looking for a friend with benefits. Pretty watermelon sure. sugar. That's right. And then get this peach is the last option. And, um, they just completely lies on the meme culture here, but, uh, if you select peach it means you were looking for and this is fruits words the sheets
1: wait peach in the sheets
0: if you're a peach you want to dance in the sheets
1: oh okay so basically
0: one night stand is what i got from that i was surprised i had friends with benefits as an option and, and then
1: also one night stand
0: yeah but i guess like you're traveling and you're in europe and you want to have a fun european fling you can get on fruits and select peach and have a good time that must be for
1: men because i would you yeah i can't
0: imagine ever selecting that
1: i thought you were going to say peach is just for people who like booty
0: (laughs) that's all they want though is is, booty? they don't want it for long no they want
1: temporary booty
0: Mm -hmm, that's right peaches go bad quickly So Fruits has 6 million users compared to Bumble's 40 million users. Um, But Fruits has seen a lot of growth across France, Belgium, the Netherlands, Switzerland, Spain, and Canada. So it's mostly in Europe, but it do have a little bit of North American Canada. Um, And the biggest growth area for Fruits is the under 25 range. So Gen Z for short. Um, Bumble is bigger with millennials. So this is a great way for Bumble to kind of expand its dating portfolio, to gen z um because right now 26 percent of millennial couples met on dating apps so but gen z will get into this like why they're not big dating app fans so but bumble is also trying to expand beyond america i think it is available in other countries but their presence is definitely the strongest here Mm -hmm. so american millennials is their market they're trying to expand to europe and they're trying to expand to younger users because now the older members of gen z are interested in dating Obviously, we're not talking about like middle schoolers. We're talking about like full consent. Yeah, it's 18 and up. Absolutely. So Gen Z apparently really appreciates transparency. So the model of fruits is attractive to them because you literally cannot get on the profile without making a selection. And granted, you could lie. You could pick a grape and you're really a peach. But I don't know. The fact that you have to do it when you sign up it, it just kind of pushes you a little bit more to be truthful about it. On Bumble, you can make a declaration of like what you're looking for, but you yeah. 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 You,
1: yeah, you people, don't have to like put it down in order to start seeing matches.
0: Yeah. And a lot of people don't fill it out. And some people put like undecided or something like that. Not sure. Yeah. Or whatever the language of it is. Um,
1: it's complicated.
0: <laughs> it's complicated, which is like annoying. So having just defined labels, honestly, not a bad thing. Um as I said, the older members of Gen Z are now old enough to date and use dating apps. So this is a pretty untapped market for a lot of dating apps right now. Um, but the problem is Gen Z doesn't really like dating apps. Only 16% of Gen Z couples on dating apps. They don't really like kind of the swipe culture where you go back and forth. So Bumble is kind of looking to adapt and get this Gen Z market under their umbrella. Um, so and dating just in general are a huge growth area because the user bases across all different types of dating apps have increased a lot with the pandemic gotcha. people organically, so you go get on an app and try to talk people to that way so it's um it's definitely a good area for growth for dating app companies um, but a lot of people are kind of tired of the left and right something that may change soon. <laughs> There are other dating app companies like the Match Group, which owns Tinder. They own um, Match.com. They own OkCupid. Those are like their big three and they have some smaller ones too. Those are all under the Match umbrella, but they serve like different user bases. So I don't think this would be a merger where like Bumble would take Fruits' users and it would just be one app it would, I think they would be two separate apps still, but they would be for different demographics if that makes sense. Um, So, but yeah, Fruits runs on the freemium model, which is like a common, a portmanteau of free and premium if you're not familiar. Um, So that's pretty common for most dating apps. Bumble has the same thing. So it's where the app itself is free, but if you want to augment your experience and get a quote unquote better experience and more out of it, you pay a little bit with in-app purchases. So Bumble has this kind of features where you can pay like 40 bucks a month to see everyone in your quote unquote line, which is everyone who's liked you already. Mm-hmm. So instead of swiping back and forth and taking a chance of like, oh, are they going to like me back or not? You can already see who's liked you. Yeah. Which is a feature on Hinge for free where you can see everybody who's liked you. I'm partial to Hinge because I I met my boyfriend that way.
1: But. I also met my partner on Hinge.
0: Yeah, so Alyssa and I are familiar with the dating apps. We're not going to use Fruits or Bumble because we're currently in partner. But um, it's, it's, it's cool nonetheless, just because we're familiar with dating apps. I, I thought this was really fun to talk about. So yeah, I mean, there's other factors with dating apps that they're trying to tap into. Like they're trying to make it a little less sketchy where you can have like, voice memos to answer prompts to kind of add a little bit more personality to it um yes you can like video chat through the app which i personally would not use just because like i've had somebody call me dating app before yeah and i was immediately like oh leave me alone ahead of time he wasn't like oh can we talk on the phone i would have been like yeah
1: ew no but
0: he was, he just called me and i didn't answer because i was driving and george is a hands-free state and then he sent me a frowny face i'm like what what like leave me alone what do you want from me what do you want from me like i, I don't know It just felt invasive so if you want to talk to somebody over the phone or video chat give them a heads up
1: do not Period. don't cold call them
0: but yeah and bob as we've yeah seriously please do not cold call, call this a central partner, was a
1: cold call <laughs> You want to get that reference?
0: I don't. I'm sorry.
1: It's like it's stupid. It's like a Tide Pod commercial, and it's like oh, yeah, yeah, you know, calling exactly. people. Matt
0: Ryan has a very-
1: Yeah, like <laughs> hey, can you switch over to cold because it saves energy and is better for the planet?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and Bumble also has added like the friendship, like Bumble F, and the Bumble business focus sections. So it's not just dating; you can potentially meet friends and network connections. I don't know how common those are in terms of like their users, but a lot of people think that what started as dating apps, like the platforms can also be used to just enhance social growth. And with mm-hmm. knock on wood, things looking up a little bit for the pandemic, um, you know, there could be a lot of areas for potential movement here. So Period. Yeah, Bumble and Fruits, we'll see if Fruits becomes available in the States once the merger goes through. Love Again, some got- Fruits. Again, we don't know the terms, so I'm not sure how much they're purchasing fruits Mm -hmm. for. Yes. But yeah. Do you want to get into Smile File?
1: I'll be quick. Um, I went to go see Twice in concert two days ago in Fort Worth, and it was one of the most magical experiences of my life. Like, this sounds so cliche, but like, especially like for K-pop idols, because most of them live in Korea, you- Obviously, you know, they're real, but like being able to see them, like actually like stand in front of you, it was another worldly experience. As I said, I lost my voice cheering so much. Um, Everybody that we met, all the other people that are fans of twice, they're known as once all the other ones were super nice and super like welcoming. I literally me and the girl next to me were doing the dances in sync with not only uh each other but with the with the members and it was so much fun so what about you babe
0: i'm so glad you had fun
1: yes
0: i feel like my smile file is usually something i'm looking forward to not something that happened but um i'm going to i'm going to the home opener of atlanta united this weekend with hannah so
1: Um,
0: those games are a lot of fun and i get to see one of my best friends
1: we love that
0: Mm All right, thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back soon with another episode. As I said, I will probably talk about the war efforts that are going on in Europe. The war, the war. Well, the you know the, the conflict.
1: No, it's it's not the way it's it's not the way you said. It. It's just the idea. The war.
0: The war. Yeah, no, it's very scary. Um, yes. So, trigger warning in advance. We'll give another one in the next episode, but. In the meantime, um, everybody stay sane and have a good week, and don't check your stock portfolio because I guarantee you it's down. So don't. Period.
1: That. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye.